I was just thinking about the way that that we interact with God, you know, and uh, and how God answers us when we're looking for direction. And uh, sometimes I feel like I don't ask for direction enough, and I think that's probably a good a good thing to think about. Is you know how much, how many of our plans do we, um, do we just go about where it seems like God doesn't have to say anything? Like we're not actually waiting for God to respond. And I think about uh, some parts of the Bible where I'm reading about um, people like David, where he would he would say, "Should I should I attack or should I, you know, stay back? Will you will you deliver this?" you know, <laughs> this town to me and my guys, or will you not? And um, and that went really well for him, just having that regular um, interaction with God. And so I was thinking about the, the different general answers that God gives us if we do ask Him. And so the three I thought about were um, God could say go, you know, that would be the yes. God could say no. Or you could say, whoa. <laughs> you know, the, the weight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was just, I, I didn't look up to, you know, all the verses, but I had some, um, some come to mind. Times when God has said go to his, his servants. And so, I, and the thought I had about that was that when God says go, go humbly. Mm-hmm. So, so he may be saying yes, but it's not, um, it's not it's not generally his plan for us to 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 make that yes be about us but to be you know because of God's grace he's letting us <laughs> be part of his plan and so um so let humility be you know the the way that we proceed um and i think about um Jesus' mom mary you know when when she was given um god's plan to carry Jesus into the earth, um, she said yes with humility, knowing that there would be a cost, you know, with uh, within the culture that she lived in. You know, she she said yes. I think about um, Moses, who also was asked to go, and um, and, and it wasn't his natural thing that he wanted to do. But God persisted, you know, you are my chosen person to do this. And even though Moses didn't feel like he brought a lot to the table, you know, God reminded him that God was the one bringing him to the table to do that. And, um, and I think that's probably why he chose Moses, because he knew he could go humbly and obedient. And then kind of a, a counterexample you know, the, the long way, because we don't always obey God, you know, at step one, the minute we hear the message. Sometimes it takes us a while to digest that. And I, and I thought of Jonah, you know, <laughs> who got, eventually God will get him to do his will, you know, or, or die trying. I don't know. But um, he, um, he didn't want to, and he was, you know, rejecting God's plan for him. But eventually he got to the point where he saw himself be used for God's will to be done to to preach a message to the Ninevites. The will. Mm-hmm. And in this case, 
God used it as a correction path. So mm. if, if he were to have go, gone at first, I don't think he would have gone humbly. Mm. He would have you know, been throwing condemnation. He would have known that you know, God would... He's like, I know how God is. You know, he knows that God's going to, you know, they're going to repent and they're going to be forgiven, that kind of stuff. But he didn't like that because he, he wanted the Ninevites to burn, basically. And so his process was God getting him to the point where he was humbled. Mm-hmm. He was in the belly of a fish. <laughs> like, you'd think an hour would have been long enough to be in the belly of a fish to be like, all right, you know, but Jonah, he was a stubborn guy. So he had to yeah. take three days, be covered with stomach acids, there's no Vaseline you can put under your nose for the smell, you know. Belts out onto the beach. Oh, and he's like, all right, now you're ready, Jonah, yeah. to do my message. And so don't let your life be God making an example of you to where you're finally humbled enough to do his will. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. so when God says go, go humbly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the next one, you know, when God says no, and, and my thought on that is obey respectfully. Um, oh, actually, I have one, one more thought about Go. Um, so an example I have about, about Go is sometimes we think we're obeying God, but we're really not obeying God the way that he's asking us to obey. Um, and that humbly part, I think about sometimes with, with my children when they were young, they would, they would not be doing the opposite of yes, but they would be just dragging their feet. And this is this is a term I coined was slow obedience. Slow obedience. <laughs> slow obedience. And so when when kind of you're, you're told like, hey, do this chore, and then they just be dragging their feet and like, uh, and then I'm like, oh, that. It's so hard. I want to remind you that that slow obedience is disobedience. <laughs> it's still disobedience because you're not complying with 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 the chore. And so sometimes we might do that with God, where we know it's the right thing to do. But we're dragging our feet on it, and God is like, you are holding up the whole train of my will. And so, you know, move, move on. And so I, I didn't look around to kind of find an example of that sort of a scenario, but I think that's something that we can all kind of relate to, that, that if you're working with a team and you're asking someone to do something, or, or you're in a group project or something, and someone's just dragging their feet where they're technically moving that direction, but you know they'll never, ever get done at the pace that they're at, they're basically not doing it. Yeah. You know, you ask them, like, well, I did this, I checked this out, and you're like, but you didn't, <laughs> the deadline has passed. Yeah. They, might, or they might be doing the task, but they have just a terrible attitude yeah. as they're doing it. Yeah. They're just, just brings everybody souring the whole, yeah. the whole recipe. The yeah. Mm. And so next, um, God, when God says no, so obey respectfully. Um, I think of Jesus in uh, Gethsemane, I want to say. Or what was it the, in the garden where he's praying to God, like, if you would take this cup from me? Like, mm-hmm. he's basically saying, if there's another way, I'm I'm ready to hear it, kind of a thing. Um, but his answer his answer is basically there's there is not another way. You're gonna have to go through with this, and so he respects mm-hmm. God, and he continues. You, you know that's got to be a hard thing, um, knowing that Jesus is God and he he could do whatever he wants, but he's submitting himself, which actually adds a bit more challenge to it. <laughs> Sometimes we have to restrict ourselves even within our own rights to, to do God's will. Mm. And that's when we're really tested. 
you know, if pride is is a is an issue, and I think for a lot of us, there's certain areas where we we know like it just it's really a pride thing, like I could do it this way, mm-hmm. or I could do it this way, but I don't want them to be right. <laughs> I don't want them to get their way, and I don't have to. It's my right to do this or that. Um, so obeying respectfully is about respecting God more than yourself, and and so you've got to let. Let that no be no, because that's really a test between who is your Lord. When you say Lord, um, God wants us to mean it. Yeah. And uh, submitting to his authority is only really tested when he says no. If you say, I follow Jesus, and every every ministry opportunity or everything that you want to do, he says yes to, then you really haven't tested that lordship, because you haven't heard a no from him. That's when you... The real rubber really hits the road. Yeah. It must be God's will. He's just he's confirming my will of all the things that I love to do. He's blessing every step I take. Yeah. You know, um, and some of us, you know, have that. That might be the the first chapter of our walk with God. Is a lot of yeses, and we're very encouraged, and we're very excited about it. And then we go through this this dark season where He says no to something that you were previously like, you know, we really felt really good about mm, like I'm up, I'm a 10 know. in this area and I'm gifted here mm-hmm. and then God pulls it back and says now I've got a new season for you now I've got something else for you to do and you're like but I'm not good at that mm-hmm. and he's like but I am and I'm going <laughs> to yeah. use you and um hmm, wow. and so that challenges our pride so um so sometimes his no shapes us prunes us um and it's going to be better for us in the long run we just don't see that yet um and also think about david he got he got some no's but he was ready to take them i feel like he was probably one of the most flexible people with god you know he could be quick to for, to forgive to ask for forgiveness to ask for help um he he had some big failures but he had some 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 quick um, corrections, corrections. Yeah. Yeah. and i think that's one of the things that that is why God referred to him as someone after his own heart. Because if you've ever dealt with with a child or a person that you're correcting and they spent more time feeling bad about their failure than actually getting up and moving forward, um, that's got to be more frustrating to you than, than someone who fell so many times but they got right up and they said, okay, let's do this again. You know, it's easier to coach somebody that way. And... Um, and also thinking about um, uh, Moses. I think he had some some no's in his life too. When God said, you know, he spent so much of his life just leading these Israelites to get to the promised land. And then right near the end of that, God's like, you can see it, but you can't go there. It's not it's not your thing. Or or David, he he wanted to build a temple for God. And he was so excited about it. He's like, I've got this palace. God's in a tent. Something's not right about it. It just doesn't feel right. I've got to build God a temple. And God says, it's not for you to do. But you can prepare your son to do that. And sometimes we put, we're put in that situation where we have a passion for something. We want to, we want to be there to see the harvest. We want to see we the end of it. Land. Yeah. We're like, this has been my dream my whole life. And, and sometimes we have to, and it's actually better for us to be able to prepare the next generation or the next person to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I feel like that's an advantage to Joshua. Mm-hmm. 
that, you know, if you're ready to do this and you're ready to, to get the glory of like, this is my dream, my whole life's work, now we're coming to the promised land. Just like I said, <clears throat> thanks for following me, but, but he passes that off to, to Joshua, you know, the new guy, basically, who's been with him. Um, but that gets to be part of Joshua's relationship with the Israelites. Is they, they get to look at Joshua after Moses has passed and say, you were with us when we finally stepped foot in the promised land. And um, so we don't always get all the all the pats on the back for the work that we've done. Um, but God wants us to, to not hold so tightly on to whatever we've we've connected with and be able to be flexible with his direction. It's not always fun. It's completing the assignment that we've been assigned to. Mm-hmm. Being no has always been a challenge. You know, from the whole arc of our life, from from a baby to a toddler to youth to teenager to an adult it never it never just is easy yeah. mm. the first no humans mm. ever received was the very thing mm. that we tried to mm. do yeah and we did a challenge in a garden all <laughs> <laughs> oh, this you can do it, but not that yeah. and then we're fixated on why not yeah. mm. and he doesn't always give us a why for the no either which can also be frustrating and finally, when God says, whoa, wait faithfully. When he says to wait, we don't know if he's going to eventually say yes or if he's going to eventually say no or, or he's going to say yes to something that's different than what we were hoping for. Mm. And, um, and I think about um, David's reign. He was anointed to be king, but for, it seemed like an eternity. If you're reading through you know, David's story... You know, he's going to be that successor, <clears throat> and yet he's got to be this this entertainer for the existing king. And he's doing this kind of humbly, you know, and he's and you, you've got to think he's, he's thinking like, okay, so this, this king <clears throat> hates my guts. He wants me to die, <laughs> and he's chasing me, and I, but the good thing is he had the, res- the respect for the position of, of king, that he wouldn't raise his hand against the Lord's anointed, even as he's being chased for his life, even as other people around him were telling him, like, God's delivering him into your hands. Hmm. He's got this whole um, time where God's basically saying, wait, or he's got a sense of that. Like, I don't, I'm not reading, like, God saying, like, don't kill him or anything like that, but you can just infer that through the reading of the story, that David has a very strong sense of, it's not up to me, it's, this is God's job. I'm waiting for him to open the door and say, now is time. Yeah. And sometimes we can, we can kind of read into certain things and convince ourselves that God's saying something, but we're actually more trying to manipulate and spe- seek our own will to be done than actually hmm. accept the hard truth that God's still saying, wait. Hmm. And I think that's also one of the ways that Satan can tempt us is always mm-hmm. when we're waiting. When Jesus is is waiting in the desert with no food for 40 days, um, Satan's saying, like, turn the stones into bread. Do this, do that, because you know what God's promised. Here's a shortcut. Yeah. Satan's always offering us shortcuts. Of course God wants yeah. you to be blessed in this way. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and he's, 
he tries to tempt Jesus in the same way. Um, Satan does not have new ideas. He's always been using the same ones. And I think that as we familiarize yourself with how he's tempted Jesus and other people in the past, we can be on the lookout for how could he be tempting me and what do I need to keep an eye out for. And also just to be familiar with how God speaks to us, to know when we hear a phrase, is this coming from God or his people? Or is this someone tempting me with something that is not in my best interest? Another um, time, a big time when God says woe is uh, with Abraham and the promise God gave him to have a son, you know, to have a child that so many would come from. And he waited a long time, him and his wife Sarai, um, but he knew what God said. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but God was working with him. And, um, And the hard thing about waiting is sometimes it seems like God just stopped talking to you. Like it's just silent. And for me, it lets my brain just kind of run. When God, it seems like God's silent. And, um, and you've got to think about what you're feeding your mind at that time to kind of keep it in the right chemistry to be in tune with God. Because you let fear you know, you know, creep in. And uh, a sense of, you know, this, is, this has to happen now. Whenever we're rushed, we make bad decisions. And so um, whenever, whenever you talk to a salesperson, they always want to rush you. <laughs> Someone's at your door, they're on your phone, they're cold calling you, and they want to rush you. You're like, you're like I, I get all these calls of people saying, like, are you the homeowner? You want to, like, swap out all this stuff? There's all these contractors that are just calling you all the time. And um, and they always want to, like, make something happen. Now I'm like, well, I think I want to do something, but probably in about maybe five to seven years. Can you call me back <laughs> <laughs> I just painted five, my house. The five to seven. Yeah. Call list. You're, they're like, because you know they're just selling I'm my number. Now. Yeah. yeah. I'm not mean? ready right now. I need but, my month end quota yeah. numbers. <laughs> yeah. They don't. They don't like those kind of timetables. But that's what I'm working with. Yeah. Um. And so I'm saying woe to them too. So um. Well, we want God to be on our timetable. Yeah. And we get frustrated <laughs> when He's not. Yeah, and, and sometimes God has to remind us, you know, who is on the throne? You know, is it you? Because you're in my seat. <laughs> you're walking to the bus, and he's like, this seat is taken, you know? Um, this answer is often the most challenging one to cope with because it isn't obvious how long the wait is going to be. Um, it seems longer when you don't know that it's, that it's coming up. You know, it's not like before church service starts and you've got that countdown timer going like, oh, I better get in my seat. God's like, get in your seat now. <laughs> I'm not showing you the thing. But when it starts, I want you to be ready because this is what I told you, you know. Um, so, so once we know what God's said to us, I think we kind of think about the posture of how we answer that. But the next challenge that a lot of us face is we kind of need a refresher on how God says that to us. Because I've, I've heard of people say they've gotten an audible thing or a vision from God and this, different things. Um, but that's not often how God speaks to me. So I just want to share some of these methods of how 
God speaks, I think, most commonly um, in the life of his followers. First, I'd say um, prayer. Um, some of, a lot of us have the, the habit of putting our requests to God, saying, hey, God, this is something that's on my heart. Um, we don't know exactly how God will direct us for a specific situation, but we must practice being in a posture of listening readiness. Um, I think I think I'm good at talking to God, but I'm much less good at listening, at being ready, anticipating what He's going to say, and even making plans that depend on Him answering for me to move forward. There's certain certain plans that we're either not ambitious enough, mm-hmm. so we're just kind of saying, like, I can do this in my power, and if God nudges me this way or that way, then I'll just kind of choose the style of how I do it, but either way, I'm doing my own will. Mm. Um, but, there's, but there's a faith that comes from, from putting something out there where what we want to do and what we don't want to do are an option, and God has, you know, you know, a fleece or some some sort of way that that he can answer us. And I think giving that that um, that flexibility to God is is kind of a uh, a move of faith when we can say, "God, not my will, but yours be done." Uh, for me, the thing where the area where I need to grow is spending time, quiet time, alone with God. And for me, it works better in the morning. That means getting to sleep on time so that I can wake up on time and just have that moment. Like, there's a prayer, there's that kind of stuff. But just having, like, even a minute of silence does huge things for my relationship with God. Of just having that, you know, I pray, and then before I say in Jesus' name, amen, you know, just asking Him a question and giving Him that silence. Because um, I feel like He speaks even through my own mind, or brings a verse to mind, and I can kind of mull that over throughout the day when I say what, I get that word or something, and then I can wonder what it means, and I feel like God does way more when I have those moments. That usually happens at a spiritual retreat or camp or something, but there's nothing that prevents God from speaking to me that way at home. Especially now that I don't have, you know, loud little kids that... (laughs) Are demanding my time at six in the morning. <clears throat> so, um, and the, another reason why that's hard for me is because I, my mind is always thinking about the next task that I have to do, and how I'm going to do it, and how I'm going to manage resources and whatever. I'm always, I always have that eternal to-do list, and God wants me to put a pause on that. You know, yeah, it's part. It's part of being a successful adult is keeping in mind, you know, the projects that we have and all that sort of thing. But another part of being a successful Christian is to make sure that God is an integral part of that planning process. Don't make your plans and ask God to bless them. You ask God what his plans are so that you can be a blessing in them. Order your footsteps. Huh? Mm-hmm. And the second way God speaks to us is through studying the Bible. Not just corporately, but also individually. I feel like God speaks to me differently in a one-on-one session than he does in a group session. Um, And I think the reason Bible study is important is because some things that we're looking for God's will on 
He already made his will plain in the pages of his book. Some things God has already made clear in his words, so we don't know what we don't know. If Especially if we're a newer Christian or a younger Christian, we might not have rolled our eyeballs across some some pages of the of the Bible. And if we've never been exposed to it, we're not getting the benefit of that perspective of how God has dealt with his people in the past. Mm. What kind of things are his pet peeves? What you don't want to say to God, <laughs> to God in your attitude. Um, there's a lot of those things that I I get a sense of even through reading through the Old Testament where some of the the real black and white and you know messy parts of Scripture. Even though God isn't interacting with us in the exact same way as he did in the Old Testament, I get a sense of things that that God cares about, about the detail and how we go about things, that he's not kind of a, you know, ballpark your, your answer. Like, he he cares about the way that we approach things and the way that we approach him. And reverence is a thing. You know, even if our culture doesn't necessarily encourage it all the time, um, I feel like sometimes we can have a danger of being too casual with God. And so depending on what our natural bent is, you know, sometimes we need to formalize it. Sometimes we need to relax if we're overly, you know, structured with our stuff. Say, you know, God loves us like Abba Father, and so we need kind of that. And sometimes we're like, but he also, you know, says vengeance is mine. <laughs> There's all these kind of things. So disciplines us. Yeah. yeah. And so, so we need kind of both and. And um, <laughs> sometimes we need a hug. <laughs> And at least for me, growing up, sometimes I needed a spanking. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so familiarize yourself with the Bible over and over again. Just because you've read through the Bible once doesn't mean God has nothing more to say to you through it. Every time I read through, it's like, you know, I'm reading the same version of the Bible, but God's giving me a different version through the Holy Spirit, even as I'm reading it. And sometimes I change up the versions of the Bible just so I can kind of get different words and kind of different definitions of how I even see the human language, you know, the English language, I mean. Um, and just thinking about the way that I've spoken to other people or had disagreements, a lot of times it comes down to the definition of a word, mm. you know. <laughs> it's like, well, when I said this, I meant this, and when I heard that, I heard that. You know, you hear those, you get those little bickering arguments, and you're like, oh, we actually agree. We just differ on what this word means. And so that's why sometimes it's good to change up, you know, the, the version you look and the Bible just to kind of see maybe it'll strike you a different way um, so Bible study you can hear you know the the unabridged version of a lot of different things that are in areas that might not apply to you right now but later on when you get to a challenge a scripture could come to mind and say oh I remember when something like this happened with God's people in the past let's not make that same mistake <laughs> you can inform us and then <clears throat> A third way God speaks to us is through fellowship. You know, sometimes it's not a Bible verse. Sometimes it's not directly through prayer, but it's through God's people around you and just interacting with each other, just natural conversations and a non-formal kind of Bible study thing. You know, we just talk to people and we kind of get a sense of what we're into. Sometimes we're just feeling our way through, like, what's God's will for my life? Or what is God shaping me into? I noticed this a lot in my younger college years where I'd take a class that I thought I would love and then I realized like this is no this is not a fun <laughs> subject at all 
you know, or even like some of the extracurricular yeah. activities. When I signed up <coughs> at DVC to take golf, because I'm like, I, I like playing golf. And then all the PE classes <coughs> kind of gathered together. And then I saw the group of guys to play golf. And then I saw another group of guys over here, I'm like, and, and girls. And I was like, what are they gathering for? You know, these are some people that I feel like I would hang out anyways. And I walk over and they're like, What's, what are you waiting for? And they're like, it's Tai Chi class. I'm like, I didn't think Tai Chi, but this, <laughs> like, they just, there was some kind of energy about these, this group. And so I, was, I canceled my golf thing and went to Tai Chi and had some good friends to hang out with. And sometimes you just kind of do something and realize that you like it. And it's because of that fellowship. It's because of the people that you're rubbing shoulders with um, that is more important in some situations than even the thing that you thought was the thing to do. The thing behind the thing. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's another reason why I encourage, like, when talking with teens and stuff, they're thinking about careers. Everyone's asking them, what's your, what college you want to go to? What's the career you want? And, there, and, and there's a lot of on-paper plans, and I think there's not enough of the hang out with someone who's doing what you think you dream to do. Exactly. And just going through that day with someone, you could realize, like, like, wow, I thought, you know, yeah. being a doctor or a lawyer was going to be just awesome until I realized, like, how much yeah. bodily fluids you have to deal with, and, you know, as a doctor, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, this is yeah. this is not something I like, or, or I can't stand inside of blood, but I like the idea of, you know, the income or something, or a lawyer, like, or all helping. this boring paperwork that you have to do. Yeah. Um, so, some of these careers, yeah. you know, um, it t- sort of takes it away, and you're like, well, or, or I like animals, so maybe I want to be a vet, but then you realize, like, how many pets you have to put down or something and you're just like okay maybe I want to do something else you know um, yeah so there's a lot of things that we don't know until we've kind of been there and so we've got to kind of yeah. do the trial run of, of some of these things that, our experiences. Yeah. and they're not and they're not always there's not these are kind of areas where the, God hasn't put a black and white this is right and wrong like he gives us freedom to make some of these choices about like you know our career you know, um, our friendships and all this kind of stuff where he's really just saying, like, I want you to to make to make a decision for yourself and don't ask me to, to tell you this is the person so that, you know, that you've got to be with or whatever sort of thing. Um, so he gives us some, some room there. Um, and he wants us to be good decision makers on our own for some of these areas. And that's part of the creativity and the trust that he that he gives us that we're not just automatons that just do exactly the thing that he wants and some people want that in a religion they they want that safety and just like you know i want to i want a priest that will tell me this is how to do this and this is the the list of actions you have to do to be right with god and then you know you're okay step one two three mm-hmm. four five and i'm all good but god he wants a relationship with us he wants us to to love him back to want to do his will because we love him, not because we're afraid of what might happen if we don't measure up. Mm. And that's not, that's not been his plan. You could see that he's always extending some grace, some mercy, because he wants our relationship to be restored. We don't want to take that for granted, but um, that's something that he's working with us on. And the last um, is about mission. You know, God has made us humankind uh, for a general purpose, to bring him glory. So we know that's God's will for us, that he wants us to bring him glory. Um, 
but he has also made you and me for a specific purpose that isn't general. That's He has a purpose for you, he has a purpose for me that might be different or opposing you know, each other on some level uh, where it brings him glory, but it's totally a different part of the body of Christ. And um, so our long-term life purpose, you know, what the arc of our life is to accomplish, you know, what we can look back at our life and say, you know, God's going to say, well, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, and even the shorter missions that he gives us that we don't know how it attaches to that long purpose. When you think about your resume or different jobs that you've gone through or, or classes or school, some experience you look back on and you think, oh, I, I don't know if that helped me at all. <laughs> if, I might have felt like you were being rewound a little bit, certain experiences in your life. But, um, but attentive listening to God's prompting allows us to stay close to his will and to maximize his purpose and our purpose at the same time. So just staying connected with God, being like David in the readiness to apply God's will and to go back to him when, when he's fallen down. Um, staying as close as possible means less you know, wasted experiences and less wasted time. A lot of time gets wasted with us just stewing on regret or guilt or I didn't measure up to to what I should have done. But we can't undo the should-haves um, and the failures of our life. So he wants us to look to him. He wants us to look forward and, and be ready for him to bless our walking in his will. He's lighting our path. We just need to open our eyes and... Obey to go humbly, obey respectfully, and to wait faithfully in all of the situations as they're applied. And just ask God how he's answering us. And ask him in prayer specific things. And not just general, bless me God, but, you know, God, I have this question. I have this thing that I don't know the answer to. Please reveal to me how you want me to proceed, how you want me to deal with this relationship where I'm feeling like I'm stepping on people's toes. Um, and to share in fellowship, to be able to share that with, with others that you trust so that um, they can be praying for you as well. So um, this is kind of like the the message that just keeps coming to me. You know, and, and I... And I'm, I'm preaching it to myself at the same time. It's like, how am I, like I feel like I, I'm good with studying the Bible. Um, I'm good at bringing God my prayers and some of these things in a more sort of habitual sort of way. But where I need to work the most is to be still and know that God is God. And that he wants to speak to me and that he has joy that I'm his son. And uh, that's my encouragement to you guys, is that he thinks the same way of you. Cool. Thank you.